I'm Dr. Susan Eyrick, and welcome to Earthfire Radio. Earthfire Institute is a wildlife sanctuary and rehabilitation center whose mission is to change how people see and therefore treat wildlife and nature. It's a delight to welcome Kareen Irby. Kareen has a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science from Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, and she's an experienced permaculture practitioner. She's certified in permaculture design and completed an advanced permaculture program taught by renowned designer Jeff Lawton at the Permaculture Research Institute of Australia. Kareen was also trained in teaching permaculture by Rosemary Morrow, author of The Earth User's Guide to Permaculture. She's also worked as a permaculture consultant for the sustainability organization Good to China in Shanghai, China, and volunteered on numerous organic farms in Australia, New Zealand, Western Massachusetts, and Montana. She is currently one of 40 teachers involved in the online women's permaculture design course and is a regular contributor to Rocky Mountain Gardening Magazine and Permaculture Women Magazine. Welcome, Corrine. So, Corrine, one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation is because of the times we're in. The understanding of how we have to work with the earth in a regenerative capacity rather than a using capacity is really critical. One of the ways to do this is through something called permaculture, which some people know about and others don't. But I think there's an increasing awareness of it. Could you tell us a little bit about what permaculture is? I'd also really like to hear about why you're spending your life committed to it. What is it about it that speaks to you? So permaculture, for those of uh, your audience that have never heard the term, permaculture stands for permanent agriculture or permanent culture. And it's a design approach for sustainable living and land use that's rooted in the observation of natural systems. So how can we look to natural systems as a guide for designing um, anything from, you know, our backyard gardens uh, to our larger scale landscapes to our neighborhoods and our communities and our our lives basically it's it's life design through mimicking natural systems i started on this journey probably about 15 plus years ago by taking an initial permaculture design course and then deciding that I really wanted to experiment by myself in terms of being more self-reliant in general and growing more of my own food, but also in encouraging others to do the same. I think that permaculture has a lot to offer people now, not only because it encourages self-reliance, but also it encourages people to connect to natural systems. We are so disconnected from the natural world right now. And it's one of the reasons why we're in the crisis that we're in. People aren't paying attention to their place. People aren't respecting the earth. They're not taking care of people. They're not connected to the ecosystem that supports them. What is it about it that makes you so passionate and committed? I think it's because it, you know, I spent a lot of time as a human rights activist being against a lot of things 
and against the ways in which we're doing things and always pointing out what we're doing wrong. And I quickly got burned out of that approach. If you tell people what's what you're doing wrong, you, you better have a better way of doing it. I ran across permaculture in the early 2000s and I just felt like it it provided creative, positive solutions to a lot of the ecological crises that we're facing. So it was a way to step into a solutions-based approach to life rather than one where you're constantly just dwelling on all of the problems. And so I think it's a very hopeful space to be in, especially I found during this time where on a daily basis, I get to interact with people who want to grow more of their own food. I get to interact with people who want to put in wildlife habitat and pollinator habitat. I get to interact with people like yourselves who are committed to to something higher than just the bottom line of making money or being more efficient or participating in this kind of capitalist machine that we've created for ourselves. So I think in that way, this career that I've made for myself kind of cultivates outer resilience in terms of growing more food, creating more habitat, but also inner resilience in terms of being able to not only physically feed myself, but also feed myself through connecting with the natural world and connecting with people that are thinking in that same realm. So it's a way of interacting with the land and the earth. Yeah, absolutely. One of the main principles in permaculture is observe and interact with nature. And I think that we don't do that enough anymore. There's that book called The Last Child in the Woods. These days, kids are spending less and less time in the natural world and playing outside and more time on screens, on their phones, on computers. And while technology in some ways has been really beneficial in terms of connecting people, it's also been a huge detriment in terms of not having children playing outside anymore, right? Or, or just people in general not spending enough time outdoors. One of the things I like about permaculture is that you start from a philosophy of observing, respecting, honoring nature. That's where you start, if I'm right. And from there, you understand principles of how nature works And then we try to imitate them as best as possible when we create a human impact on the earth, as in in agriculture and gardening. So we're working with more than uh, against or just in complete ignorance. One of the things I like so much about it is it starts from that larger philosophical, almost spiritual thing of observe and relate to, and it comes down to something really practical, as in growing food and eating. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And growing food in a way that works with nature and therefore the food is more delicious, the food is more nutritious, the earth is more nutritious. It's only a win-win to do it. Yeah. Ultimately, it's practical, but I can imagine a lot of people living in a city or elsewhere saying, well, what does that have to do with me? But I imagine you could do permaculture in a window box if you needed to. Mm -hmm. I called you and said, we're an animal sanctuary. Can you help us? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you'd say yes or not, Mm -hmm. but you did. Why did you say yes? Well, I think like everyone that seems to work for Earth Fire, a connection to animals is, is one reason why I said yes. And also an opportunity to bring permaculture into a different realm. 
to apply permaculture thinking to a wildlife sanctuary. I don't know of any other example of that. That's the great thing about permaculture is that permaculture thinking should be applied to all of these different fields. It shouldn't be that permaculture is its own specific field over here. You can apply permaculture thinking to architecture, to urban design, to running a nonprofit, to a wildlife sanctuary. And so I think that that's how we can get permaculture thinking infused more in our culture by introducing it into things that we might not normally associate it with. Earthfire's mission was also something that appealed to me. I've always loved animals from a very young age, so being able to be in service to them, in addition to just stretching the boundaries of where permaculture thinking has been applied. A lot of people come to permaculture through organic gardening, but it's way broader than that. You know, it's a design framework of how to design your life that's in right relation with the planet, essentially. And that can come in several different forms. So if it is that you want to build more self-reliance and you're in a city, then maybe you have a community garden plot, or maybe you do have some herbs on a balcony garden. You know, you, you figure out the things that you might be able to do in your apartment or on your balcony to meet some of your needs. And then you figure out other local ways in which to meet those needs. So is it supporting a farmer? Is it supporting someone who is a small business that's producing local food? You know, a lot of it is about relocalizing our economies. Part of the issue that we have now, which has come to the fore, even before this pandemic happened, was of course that our economies are out of scale and our agriculture is out of scale. And the whole invitation in permaculture is to relocalize. That's ultimately how you build resilience in a community. If you can be growing more of your own food within a hundred miles of where you live, if you can be supporting local businesses that are going to reinvest back into your community, all of that is a very healthy way of doing things ecologically, right? Closed loop systems. So within a small community, you're trying to create closed loop systems as well. The problem with say large corporations coming into cities is that most of that money is taken out of that community. Whereas if I support a local grower here in this community, they're reinvesting their dollars back into this community. Their kids are going to schools in this community. And so it becomes this positive feedback loop. And what we've created in our society is this very linear extractive economy. And there aren't very many closed loop systems. So there's so many different ways that you can practice permaculture from growing a little bit of your own food to helping with community organizing and connecting people to hosting gatherings and potlucks at your place to bring like-minded people together to helping small businesses be successful in that particular city. There's definitely more than just growing your own food. And I know that for a lot of people, land access is an issue, right? They're like, I can't practice permaculture because I don't have land. Over 50% of the world's population is in an urban environment, right? So we really have to think about better ways to design those environments. So there's a lot of urban agriculture that's happening, but then there are all these other supportive things in a community that help a community thrive that are related to taking care of people, 
it is this much broader understanding than just putting a few peas or, or carrots in the ground. So do you feel that this idea is spreading about permaculture and its principles? Yes. Whether it's the word permaculture itself that's spreading or whether it's just this whole concept of being more self-reliant, that's definitely coming back. Especially now, in moments of crisis, people pay more attention, <laughs> which is fine. You wish they'd pay attention more, you know, just in general. But, uh, you know, you have seed companies that are back ordered right now. You have way, way more interest in gardening and growing food because there's this understanding of, yeah, what if our transportation system shuts down? It is not resilient at all to rely on food that comes from California if you're living in Montana or if you're living in New York. I think that this is a real opportunity to get people more connected to what's important. I know that our neighborhood right now, because families are home more during this pandemic, it's come to life. We're in the suburb. Both my husband and I work from home. When we go out on a walk, we don't see many people, but now there are people everywhere. I think there are a lot of benefits to home-based economies where people have backyard gardens and they're producing more food. A lot of benefits um, to working from home. And I hope that people take this opportunity to actually evaluate what is important and what gives them meaning and fulfillment. And gardening is definitely very meaningful, very fulfilling, and not to mention very practical. <laughs> You know? So, you know, it's like a win-win-win. <laughs> How does permaculture relate to the regenerative farming movement? Regenerative farming is a tool in permaculture's toolbox. So one way to look at permaculture is it's a design framework or a design toolbox. And depending on the climate and the culture that you're in, you take out different tools for different circumstances. So regenerative farming is just another tool. If you have acreage and you're in a particular ranching farming location, regenerative farming is an option that helps sequester carbon, that builds soil, that gives the animals a more humane way of living, that again is an appropriate design to meet human needs while at the same time respecting the earth and respecting the animals. But regenerative farming is a big movement. Mm -hmm. And you hear that a lot more than you hear permaculture. Yes. How come? Because permaculture is an unrelatable term. <laughs> so yeah. It's basically the, the same except permaculture is regenerative plus more. Right. Permaculture is a larger design framework, yeah. um, whereas regenerative agriculture is more like strategy technique that you can use. Things like agroecology, agroforestry, ecological farming. People have heard maybe of those things more than they have permaculture because one of the problems with permaculture is the term itself. Yeah. So I run a wildlife sanctuary. Why would I be interested in permaculture? Because I wanted to work with the land. I wanted to build the animal enclosures in consultation with the land and the wind and the sun mm -hmm. for practical reasons, philosophical reasons, spiritual reasons, to have a sense of place because all of our animals are native to here. And so I explored and then understood that the principles are much wider than just agriculture, which is why I actually invited you to come down here 
and help us design the entire property with the animal enclosures as part of the land, as part of the plantings, as, as one unit. Another way of saying what you've been saying is that it's essential to have a sense of place. Mm-hmm. And with such a peripatetic, moving, restless society and world, that's one of the reasons we've lost a connection. I mean, you can't have a connection if you don't spend time somewhere. And it really doesn't even matter if it's in an apartment. Mm-hmm. You, um, you still have the wind and the air and the sun and the sense of place on the earth, and you have the parks and the trees. And it's an understanding of how to relate to your land and your place, whatever it is. You could use permaculture principles related to architecture, I imagine. Oh, yeah. And how you want to build your home. I think that that's exactly right. Ultimately, our goal in permaculture is to connect people to place, to have them take a relationship to a place and to spend some time there. And that's what happens when you start to garden. You learn patience. You learn what it takes. You learn that you have to pay attention to the temperatures. You have to pay attention to when it's going to rain or if it's going to snow or if there's going to be a frost or if there isn't. Those are things that we've lost because we're able to be in climate-controlled environments where that doesn't necessarily matter. And that's why permaculture is such an invitation to really be more in tune with natural systems. And the easiest way to be in tune with natural systems is to have a garden. But it's not the only one. But it's not the only one. I think it's a really easy gateway through it. Same with connecting with animals is a really easy gateway to connecting with something outside of ourselves. Right. Those are tools that we use in order to teach a fundamental philosophy around knowing your place. And yeah, that can happen anywhere and people just don't pay attention. I especially think in this online world, that is tough. On the one hand, you're like, oh, it's, it's a global community. But a community, as Wendell Berry likes to say, is, is a, a group of people that lives in a geographic location. A community is a group of people that has a culture that's connected to their place. My parents encouraged me to leave home. There's this narrative that you grow up, you go away and you leave home and you find your home elsewhere. You know, there's never an encouragement to stay where you are. I'm not sure why that is exactly, but it's definitely created a situation where human beings are super transient and don't connect to a particular area and get impatient when they're like, ah, I've been here two years and I don't feel a sense of community. Well, a sense of community is way more than two years to cultivate, right? You know, just like an apple tree takes four to seven years to yield fruit. You know, you got to be patient. And we've created a culture that's not patient. Another thing that I like about permaculture is the sense of flow. That one thing flows into another, into another, and then it goes back and supports another. And that's how life works. And for my own particular interest of the flow for wildlife and the necessity of migration and wildlife corridors, that if we cut off that flow, mm-hmm. the animals cannot thrive. And in general, what we've done is cut off flow in almost every single way. You go to a doctor for your head and then your stomach and then your heart as if they're not related. You fly across the country and you see the states divided into squares as if that's how nature works. So everything we've done is impose boxes on things that naturally flow. And we need to reverse that. And I think that that's about, again, this whole idea of whole systems design versus the reductionist approach of considering 
every little thing without considering the whole. So you can see that in a human being, if you're not dealing with the underlying issues, then you'll continue to get sick. And then you can see that in a garden too, that if you have a pest or a disease in the garden, you know, the tendency is to kill that particular pest rather than understanding that it's connected to a whole system, that something is off with your soil or something is off with the, the ecosystem surrounding it. And it's not just that particular issue that's connected to a bigger thing. The same could be said with what we're going through right now, right? It's not that this virus has suddenly appeared out of nowhere. It's connected to a larger issues around climate change and around ecosystem collapse. We keep on getting that same message that things are connected. We are interconnected. And the sooner that we can understand that, the better we can live in right relation with the planet. It's about building resilience, but, you know, or building a resilient future or whole systems design. It's all about integrating, right, rather than segregating. What it hits is what they call the inner landscape and the outer landscape, that there's so many parallels that you can see human beings as natural systems reflected on a landscape. Could you explain that a little more? Yeah. So like the branching pattern in our lungs, we see that in the rivers, right? So that dendritic pattern that's in our lungs is the same pattern that we see in a natural system. Or the fact that we are 70% water and our planet is about the same amount everything is kind of reflected in a natural system outside of yourself as well. Or we are a reflection of the larger systems. Right. I mean, I think it's that constant, like you see it in yourself, you see it in animals, you see it in natural systems. Trees are perfect examples. You can feel rooted in the ground, just like a tree. Our circulatory systems are the most efficient way to move blood through our bodies. The leaf patterns that you see, that's the most efficient way to move nutrient out to the leaves. And maybe that's also the most efficient way that you have a pattern of pathways that run through your garden because it's the most efficient way to distribute resources out to an area. But efficient, not in a human thinking way. No, in a nutrient cycling way. We have to be careful with the word efficient. Earlier you talked about we thought it was efficient to outsource our food. Yes, and that's a good point, right? There's efficiency in natural systems that makes them good design. And then there's efficiency in a capitalist system that's about making more profit. But natural systems are constantly obtaining some sort of yield Either it's nutrient or it's sugars or they're doing the whole photosynthesis thing or it's carbon so that they can cycle that back into the system or it's food or it's oxygen or it's carbon dioxide. Natural systems are obtaining yields. There's nothing wrong with making money. It's that question of flow again, currency, current. Money is supposed to flow in a system. And what's happened in our economy is that people have started to accumulate vast quantities of wealth. So it's stagnated and it's no longer flowing in the system. And that's, that's where you have people that are uber wealthy and people that have nothing because that wealth is not being redistributed. 
So you could apply permaculture principles to our financial system? For sure. Yeah, and, and understanding that it's really badly designed, right? And it doesn't go by the three permaculture ethics, right? Earth care, linear extractive economy where profit is the bottom line. Well, that doesn't care for the earth. People care. Again, you have some people who are uber wealthy and get their needs met while a good portion of the world's population lives in poverty. And then fair share ethic of sharing the surplus. Well, a lot of people are not sharing their surplus. And so if you did look at the economic system and wanted to apply permaculture ethics and principles, you'd soon break that whole system down because it doesn't adhere to that. And that's why it doesn't support the earth and it doesn't regenerate the earth and it doesn't regenerate communities. You know, it's about stagnation. It's about accumulation. And um, there's no people care or earth care ethic in there. Um, it's just about making as much money as you can in as little time. And it's very short-term thinking. People connecting to place and understanding not only the patterns that happen through a season, but the patterns that happen through a year and the patterns that happen over a decade. I'm sure you have seen changes and been able to observe things on your site that no one else has because you've been there for 20 years. There's another thing that's so wonderful is that it's so calming to go out onto the land, whatever the land is. It could be a little square of grass. And to pay attention to the wind and the clouds and the sun and the seasons and the birds. It just starts to connect us and calm us down. And it's so particularly important now, but it's just a very lovely, rich, satisfying way to live while you're doing whatever you need to keep yourself sustained. And I think that the reason it's so calming is that it's about being present. A self-reliant life forces you to be present to what needs to be done in those days. You have to water the garden. You have to plant the seeds. You have to feed the chickens. As opposed to just going to the grocery store and being unconnected and unrooted. And unrooted is what causes us anxiety. And of course, I, I'm still susceptible to that, you know, having grown up in that, yeah. that world. In those moments, the directive is to be present and to breathe and to meditate. We've kind of outsourced those things <laughs> rather than realizing that we can just get it by going outside. Right. We outsourced everything. We yeah. Insourcing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? We've outsourced our childcare. You know, we've outsourced our schooling. We've outsourced. And then we our, have to raise the money to pay for all that, and we have to have jobs we don't really care about in order to pay for all the things that we could have done ourselves to begin with if we'd done it in a community. Exactly. And there's there's the dumb design, right? That's what permaculture talks about: is that we have a lack of design, a really dumb design to our society. And in outsourcing all these things, we have lost basically our human connection to place and our human connection to other people. Um, and ourselves. And, and ourselves. Yeah. So I didn't expect to go here. That was interesting. 
<laughs> that's, that's what happens. It's <laughs> really flowing, following flow. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to summarize before we finish? Only that I often teach this, that permaculture is just an invitation. You know, it's an invitation to connect to the natural world, and it's an invitation to be more present in it. Well, I think it's good. Thank you, Kareen. Yes, you're welcome. This is Dr. Susan Eyrick for Earthfire Radio, a production of Earthfire Institute. If you would like to help with our mission to change how people see and therefore treat wildlife and nature, please make a donation at our website, www.earthfireinstitute.org. The soundscapes are by Wild Sanctuary Presents, Bernie Krauss and Philip Arberg. Thank you for listening. <laughs>